Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with Joe Sudula and myself, Bobby Maximus. Today's episode is sponsored by Lalo Tactical, L-A-L-O.com. Use the code MAXIMUS50 when you go there for the very best in tactical and athletic footwear. It'll get you 50% off. We're also sponsored by 10,000, T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D.cc. Athletic wear, uh, it's the workout gear of choice for me and Joe Sabula. Use the code MAXIMUS15 for a discount. We are super pumped, super excited to have a very close personal friend of mine, a guy I've looked up to for a long time, Andy Hurley. He's one of the best drummers on the planet. He's actually on the drum lines for your favorite podcast theme song, The Last of the Real One. He's the drummer of Follow Boy, and he's done a bunch of other stuff in the music industry. Um, And he is a hardcore worker outer. Andy, how are you? Doing well. Thank you. Good to uh, appreciate it. Good to have you on here. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Obviously, you're the drummer of Follow Boy, one of the only two rock and roll bands allowed in the Maximus (laughs) Roses. That's how high of a pedestal I put you guys on. Yeah. Um, but you really are one of my one of my favorite bands ever. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your career in the music industry. Yeah, uh, I've been playing drums since I was a kid, banging on pots and pans. Uh, I think probably Metallica and Guns N' Roses were the bands that made me want to do this. Uh, I guess I never thought I'd get to this point. Um, been in Fall Out Boy since, I don't know, 2000, 2001, something like mm-hmm. that. So I guess that's a long time now. Weird to think about, but <laughs> uh, I guess going on 20 years soon coming up next year. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I met you obviously through fitness and uh, hardcore working out, as you put it. Um, and you've been a big inspiration to me and someone I've looked up to that's really helped my journey on um, in fitness and, and training. So, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about music, but I'm really interested and Joe's really interested in the working out and diet aspect of what you do and how it relates to your job. Now um, in terms of music, first I'll say it's pretty incredible I was actually looking up Follow Boy songs the other day, and I was shocked you guys have been around since the year 2000 and are still putting out really good quality music. What does it take to have that kind of longevity in the music industry? Because you don't see that from a lot of bands. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and hard to answer. I, I think there's definitely an aspect of luck to it, but I think that only works if you have the other aspect, which is like passion and, you know, especially if you're in a band with other people, you have a friendship, you have, you know, relationships that you work on and uh, nurture so that, you know, we had a period where we were on hiatus where, Mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of in question whether we'd be a band or not for maybe three years, I think uh, 2010 that happened. We came back in 2013 and I think, that just reinvigorated us and we were able to like figure out our crap, get our friendships and our relationships, you know, to a place where we wanted to be in a band again. And, you know, we're best friends. We started as best friends, but I think being in a band so long, especially from kind of a young age, especially Mm -hmm. for Patrick and Joe who were in high school when the band was really getting big, I think you kind of have to, 
learn to be an adult when you're becoming an adult in a band. So I think we needed a few years to kind of be normal people. And I think that, you know, reignited the passion to do the band. So I think the most important thing is, you know, don't do a band to get big or famous, do a band because there's music that's burning in your heart that you have to make with people that you have to make it with. So I, I would think that for us has been the thing. We've always been best friends. Um, and that, you know, is the most important thing whenever there's, uh, stuff going on between us, you know, it's, we always have, we take a step back and we're able to, you know, realign with that in mind. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing is passion. How, how do you stay creative for so long? Cause I'm looking at it and the album mania, which, which dropped in 2018, it's got last of the real ones. I'll drop that name a bunch of times just because <laughs> we're on the podcast. Yeah. But, but um, it's it's one of my favorite albums you guys have done. Hold Me Tight or Don't is great. Young and Menace is great. I, I think Champions on that album, but it's really, really good. I have a hard time making up new workouts after like a few years and writing new workout articles. How do you guys stay so creative? Is there some process you go through to be able hey. to do that? Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, I think it's just staying relevant and and staying up to date like listening to music that's coming out now and being able to kind of fit in all sorts of you know different inspirations into the songwriting whether that be other music or you know Patrick who's the primary songwriter uh has been doing a lot of scoring so I think that seeps in uh to his songwriting um you know, is that you say like just taking the things from any art form, the art that you do, which for us is music, I think is, is the way that we've been able to do it. Um, and just, you know, writing from the heart, uh, writing again, like I said, to, to kind of not to stay relevant. So, so people care, but to stay pushing yourself, pushing your boundaries. So, so you're, you're continually, I think mania for us was like vastly different. I think everyone have been pushing ourselves. And I think that's a really important thing. Like all it, it keeps it fun and it keeps it interesting. So I think that's been our, our path. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that for you specifically. How does fitness, I don't know if a lot of people know this about you and I don't know if it's expected necessarily, but you're one of the most dedicated people I know when it comes to fitness, you bring gear on tour. Um, you're constantly watching your diet. Um, you, you've built your life to a degree around working out. How does fitness affect your music? Being out on the road for weeks and months and, and years at a time. I think it's, it's really important to have something like that's more of a mental challenge you know, both in terms of staying consistent with it and in terms of pushing your body into. Um, obviously, it helps a lot with endurance and um, stamina on tour playing shows. So, you know, it's not a big deal to play an hour and a half. You know, I, I'm not ever, you know, gasping for breath in that because you know, in a C2 roller and an assault bike and, you know, dumbbells and, and everything on tour. So 
an hour and a half show is is pretty easy at this point. Well, I don't know now that I've been on lockdown for months, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, it it keeps me sharp. It keeps me um, sane on tour, and hopefully, it's something that inspires you know the fans of our music who may be struggling with different issues, whether it's mental health or, you know, uh, issues of eating and diet and stuff. I, I think all of that stuff's really important generally for the general public, which is something that, you know, I really appreciate you being at the forefront of, in terms of, you know, being vegan. I mean, for me, that's more of an ethical decision than a nutritional yes. decision. Um, but I, I definitely think... It's gotten easier in in 2020, uh, you know, since I, I went vegan in 1996 or whenever it was. Um, so that's one aspect that's that's been really good. But it, it is difficult, I think, maintaining a good diet on tour, where you know a lot of the options can be trash because we're just traveling so much. We're constantly in airports, so you know, just bringing basic kind of uh supplemental emergency rations can help but obviously isn't ideal um so i you know i think adaptability is important when when trying to maintain a good diet on tour I, i'm not always successful but i try my best it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about that andy because i think we all sort of came of an age when it was like sex drugs and rock and roll right like we were not looking up to uh to motley crew for uh advice on nutrition or health yeah. right uh, and I noticed there's a lot more uh, musicians, a lot more artists these days that do take that stuff seriously. So how how was that? Like, I mean, you guys kind of came out of the Chicago scene young and, and got popular very, very quickly. So on, on one hand, like, what was that like? Like kind of getting into this industry and, and, and getting to, you know, basically a superstardom level, but then also trying to not fall into that, uh, I guess, cliche of a rock and roll star. Yeah, I think... For us, you know, it, it definitely did all happen kind of quickly, but at the same time, it was happening while we were back in those days on tour for 300 days of the year. Mm -hmm. So to us, it, it, even though maybe in real time, it was relatively fast, it seemed kind of slow, like we were building up to this thing. Um, I think we were lucky in that we started in the Chicago punk and hardcore scene. So I think straight ed and veganism and, and all these different things were a part of that and like our groups of friends. Um, right. So I think, you know, the sex, drugs and rock and roll thing for that scene just wasn't there. Uh, you know, obviously we all grew up listening to Motley Crue and, and Guns N' Roses. So that was a thing, but yeah. getting into hardcore and punk at a young age kind of maybe saved us from that path. Even if hmm. a lot of the bands we were touring with were into that, into that stuff, I think that kind of gave us a, a community of, of support to, uh, you stay on a path, you know, resisting that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. obviously not everyone in the band is still, I don't think anyone in the band besides me is still straight edge or vegan. Um, but at the time, you know, earlier on, everyone was at one point. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the one thing I do want to say, Andy, is 
A lot of people wonder what my views on diet are. Am I carnivore? Am I keto? Am I vegan? Am I, and, and I think there's almost this uh, idea that I'm going to hate being vegan or I'm going to hate a certain diet. I think any diet can work. But one of the things I always tell people with a vegan diet is I think it can be a great diet for health, for wellness, um, for performance, but it's a lot more difficult to put into play in your life because you've got to pay attention to everything you're putting into your stomach. Like you can't just go eat bread from Subway and pancakes and expect to have a well-rounded diet. You need, you need a, a huge variety of vegetables, a huge variety of nuts. You probably need some type of protein supplementation or we've talked about taking Udo's oil before for some omega-3s and you've got to have a good balance. I can imagine that on tour, that's a lot more difficult to implement, you know, to, to, to put in your diet than people would think. How do you manage that when you're on tour? Do you have just like a truck full of food in a fridge? I mean, you're absolutely right. It is definitely harder on tour. Uh, for FOB, I think it's a little easier because we have your, um, what's it called? Uh, you know, lists of things to have at each venue that we're at, I can't think of the word right now. It's escaping me. Well, you have um, like, a, like a caterer or like you, you can. Yes, make, exactly. You're, you're big enough that you can make demands, I guess. I, I Definitely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, yeah, we have caterers at different places that, you know, I'm able to send in like different options of things I like for, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, as well as having stuff in the, in the fridge backstage. Um, that can be supplemental, you know, just to make sure I'm getting enough of this or that. Um, with some of the other bands, I mean, which are more like hardcore punk bands, it's very difficult because, you know, we're traveling in a, in a van and staying on people's floors or in, in crappy hotels. So um, it is a little more difficult in that context. And I kind of, luckily, most of, of that is just weekends. So it's not a huge hit. Um, it just kind of adds up because I'm in four bands, so it can be every other weekend or every weekend that I'm, I'm doing that. Um, but I actually think with fallout boy, I'm kind of in the most consistent routine because, you know, there, there's a lot of downtime on tour. So there is nothing but time to think about my training and my diet and, and things like that. Have you been tempted? Obviously you've done the, the vegan thing for ethical reasons. Um, but you're also a performance athlete. Like I know how serious you are about working out. You take it as seriously as, as your music. Have you been tempted to stray away from that almost in terms of experimentation? And, and I say that because fitness people are always jumping from one thing to the next, trying to yeah. experiment and find that edge. Uh, no, not me. Uh, I think, veganism is such a hugely important thing in my like foundational thing in my life. So I'm, I'm fine with that sacrifice, you know, that, that there are probably numbers I won't hit that maybe other people will because of it, because it is more, a little more difficult and more specific what I have to do. But I also have a lot of friends who are into, you know, uh, functional fitness stuff that are vegan as well. So I, that share my pain. So kind of helps to have a community that you can come up with 
good diets and, and, and stuff like that to, to, to maximize, you know, your, your efficiency. For sure. And I, I actually disagree with you. I think, I think that being vegan doesn't limit you at all. I think you can, as long as you, you know, eat well, uh, and by well, I mean a large variety of stuff, you can hit whatever PR you want to hit on a completely vegan diet. There's been enough professional athletes that have proven that you could do that. I was just more curious about the mental side because people that work out, they love to blame diet, tinker, play like Joe, you've done every diet there is on the planet to try and see (laughs) how stuff works and, and, and tinkering and stuff. I wondered if that ever crossed your mind. Um, with the training, do you ever get frustrated when you're on tour about not being able to bring that into your life? Uh, training? Yeah. Um, again, with Fall Boy, I, I do have like a full setup. So yes. it's pretty consistent. But with the other bands, it definitely kind of tanks my my consistency and my routine, which is very frustrating. I think uh, last year and the beginning of this year before everything happened has been maybe the busiest time of my life because I, I've been doing four bands like actively. So I think from a mental standpoint and a physical standpoint, it's really taken a toll. And I think last year was maybe one of my worst years in terms of training consistency, which was really weighing on me and I I was feeling it. Um, but I guess, you know, if I have to find a silver lining of, of everything that's been going on recently, it's that my training's been the most consistent it's been in years. So yeah. It's yeah, getting back. I'm curious, I'm curious, Andy, because uh, drumming is a very physical thing. So how does that play into your physical regimen? You know, you don't want to train so hard that you end up exhausted before a show, for example. Yeah, I think with FOB, it's not the most physically demanding drumming. I don't know. It's a balance. I think there there was a point on on FOB tours where I was definitely overtraining and just packing too much into it. And I was definitely feeling it. And I had a, I don't know, kind of a breakdown where I was just physically exhausted and worn out. And I, I was sick for like two or three weeks and I just couldn't get over it because I was just overtraining. Uh, and I kind of had to reel that and admit it and slow down. Uh, but I think I found a good balance. I think, um, for some of the other bands, it's a little, it's like more metallic hardcore. So it's, you know, a lot more double bass and a lot more physically demanding. Um, so I think the training when I can get it in on those days has to be, Mm -hmm. you know, mindful of that. But with FOB, I think, I found a, I've struck a good balance. Now, when, when you got into, into working out uh, and, and like we said, kind of the more hardcore, like really into fitness, did you notice a difference in your drumming? Did it affect you, especially on stage? Oh yeah, definitely. A huge difference. I think it, my dogs are about to bark. So <laughs> uh, the FedEx guys here, but uh, it, a huge difference. It definitely helped my endurance and my stamina where it wasn't even, hold on. It it wasn't even an issue, you know, getting through an hour and a half was, was easy. And I think before that, there were definitely times where I was, I was feeling it, you know, an hour in, I was like, I need to figure something out before I got into fitness. 
for the way I am now. Now you, you mentioned you're at home because you don't have to be on the road. You can control your food. You can control your gym. You actually have put together a beautiful garage gym. Have you changed your routine at all to adapt? Uh, I mean, I think this whole, you know, lockdowns kind of forced everyone to change a routine, just being stuck at home all the time. Uh, and I think I finally found a really good routine, uh, with, with diet and training that, that has been, I don't know, a godsend to getting through this whole thing. So, and, and I think that's kind of, for me, been the foundation of getting through this has been, you know, diet and, and training during this time. You know, I, I was going to I'll actually take it a step further. Are you looking at this as go time for your fitness? Like, oh, some absolutely. People, yeah. Some people are complaining about being stuck inside. Joe and I have talked. I can train twice a day. I can recover. I can sleep eight to nine hours a night. It's like I took my dial and took it from a seven and cranked it to a 15. If there is such a thing as 15 that broke the dial off the damn stereo. <laughs> Because it is go time. Are you, are you looking at it like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, the past year, uh, juggling four active bands has done a lot of damage to my, my routine and my consistency. So this has definitely been a great time to, to push it all the way. And I, I think that's been one great thing about this is, is really dialing it in. No, I love, I love hearing that with the COVID thing. Cause we got to talk about that a little bit. Everyone's talking about restaurants are going out of business. Uh, people are getting laid off. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's affected you and your job? Because you're not, there's not many drummers walking around. Like, I don't know yeah. what percent of people get to work as a professional drummer, but I can't imagine. It's <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been really bad for that. It's, so I had uh, one tour with one of the other bands canceled or postponed that I probably, I'm not sure we'll be able to do at the time that it's rescheduled because obviously FOB kind of takes precedence over everything. And it, obviously it's, it's really hard uh, scheduling between all the different bands because one of the bands is my day job. So I have to do that. And I want to, of course. Um, but yeah, so one tour has been canceled or postponed. Another couple shows have been canceled. Uh, summer tour is still on, though, you know, I have no idea how long all of this is going to last. And I think that kind of been the biggest challenge is, is the uncertainty to all of it. And like, what life will look like on the other side, because obviously this is torpedoing the economy and, you know, life will not be normal when, when we come back. I, I just don't, no one knows what it will look like. Um, and then I think, yeah, like I said, summer tour is up in the air and I don't know what that means if it does have to get postponed. Um, you know, obviously the ins and outs of scheduling the touring of FOB is, is like a, a pretty big thing. So hopefully the tour happens. Um, but you know, I just, no one knows. And then I think, um, I actually a coffee shop with some friends and that's obviously been closed for the last few weeks. 
and um, I've been paying like all the employees basically out of pocket so they can, they don't have to worry, but you know, obviously with the amount of time that, you know, again, not knowing how long it'll have to be shut down. I don't know how long that's possible. And then, you know, so many people filing for unemployment is crazy. So if I let them off, I don't know how that affects them. It's, it's all just crazy. Yeah. What are the, what are the financial implications of a tour? Like, so you guys have the summer tour planned and you booked the Vivint center in Utah already. I'm assuming somehow you're paying out of pocket for that. Like Vivint doesn't let you come there for free or do they get ticket sales? Like is it, are, are you guys concerned from that, I guess, angle or you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, definitely there's, you know, a lot of costs to booking the venues. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, lead up time. Like you have to book this stuff far in advance. So canceling it isn't just a simple thing. It's, you know, probably booking again a year in advance. So yeah, all of, all of that stuff is, is a big, um, I don't know. Don't fall out for us, <laughs> yeah, I think. but you know, we, we just don't know what, it, what it's, what's going to happen and what it's going to look like and, and how bad it will be. But, you know, I, I think like everyone else, it, it's definitely affecting people in the music industry. I, I think a lot of musicians and, and stuff kind of, you know, have to work tour to tour, whereas we've been off for a little bit between uh, record cycles. So I think if we had to push it, it would be okay. But again, like you said, like there would be money lost in the booking of the venues and, and all of that stuff. And I just, I, you know, personally, I don't, I'm not the booking agent, so I don't really know the ins and outs of that, but I, I do know that it, it won't be good. So now, now we, Joe and I talk a lot about podcasts, about some businesses are sticking their head in the sand and trying to wait it out. Other businesses are, really trying to adapt their business model. And, and let's face it. Yes, you're a musician, but Fall Out Boy is a business and the, and the business of Fall Out Boy is big business. Are you guys looking at adapting somehow? Like either holding a concert from your basement uh, and, and you know, people can, can zoom in like we're doing the zoom call right now, or have you guys discussed any potential alternatives to get your music out? Um, nothing yet. Uh, I'm sure if, if anything happens with the summer tour, that is something we'll talk about. I just don't know how that will happen because, you know, I live in Portland, the other guys live in LA. So obviously getting together is an issue. It's something that can't really happen during a lockdown like this. Um, so I don't know specifically how that looks. I've seen a lot of other uh, instances of that happening of, you know, basically just, you know, doing video of, of each individual part and putting it together as if it's a performance, which would be cool. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think we'll, like I said, we're coming off once we start the summer tour, we, we still haven't, you know, started work on the next record. The, the summer tour kind of is just a thing in between and, you know, hopefully there'll be from that, but I, I just don't know yet, but I think that's, you know, depending on how this happens, that's definitely 
adapting is something that all industries will have to do because again, I, I just think this, this is a world historical event that we're going through and we're going to have to adapt to it one way or another. Yeah. We were, we were talking to a friend of ours in the, in the movie industry. And uh, one thing he told Joe and I is like Hollywood shut down just for example, shows like there's a lot of shows right now that were in production that they can finish, but there's going to be a, like a void of shows coming up in the future because absolutely nothing is getting made right now. And then you even see, I don't know how much you guys follow late night TV, but uh, one of my favorite people, her name's Lily Singh. She's on the late, late show and she's doing the shit from her house. Jimmy yeah. Fallon's doing stuff from his house. Like people have had to adapt all my sports guys. And Andy, actually it's funny that you and Joe are on here together because both of you are rabid Green Bay Packers fan. So <laughs> yeah. you guys, you guys love you guys love Dave Lombardo, the the fame <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers. You guys this love. What I put up with all the time, uh, Andy. Can you believe it? Uh, Aaron, yeah, I can believe it. Aaron Aaron Rodriguez, who's a great quarterback, and, and oh boy, double check. But you guys are huge Packer fans. Your season might be in jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan and obviously the Bucks were going to win, you know, the NBA finals this year. Wait, hang on, Andy. How, how does a guy from Chicago end up being a Bucks and a Packer fan? Yeah, I'm, this from, I'm from Milwaukee. Oh, right on. The rest Brother. of the band okay. from Chicago. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, now I know. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is... It's insane. Like, uh, you know, I live in Portland now and I am a blazer season ticket holder. So I feel like I, I get to have two, an, an Eastern and a Western conference team in the NBA. And it, it just completely shut down. Who knows what's going to happen with that season? Obviously baseball hasn't started. The Brewers have been having a couple good years. So who knows what will happen with that? Yeah, right. And then will this push into football season? And it's just, you know, it, it's weird to think about, like, it's weird to think about, you know, a team like the Bucks, where Giannis has said, if he doesn't win a, you know, a championship with the Bucks, he may leave. And, and this was the year to win the championship for sure. And now there may just be no finals. Like that's insane. Well, think about and what happens to the contracts? We were looking the other day. Uh, somebody said LeBron James is going to lose four hundred grand a game if Damn. they cancel the season. And you look at him like a business. No business wants to lose four hundred grand in profits a day. I mean, is what it you know what it comes down to. You're hemorrhaging money like crazy. But then, what are the longer term implications? And and I don't know if you guys have heard anything, but. If they can't play this year, is there a pause button put on Giannis's contract? Is yeah. does it I like that too. continue at the end? Is it just up when it's up and they don't have to pay if they don't pay him? Is he automatically out of the contract? Like I don't know, Joe, if anyone really understands what the financial implications of this thing are. Well, and, and I think how that weighs in, because when you're talking about athletes, like these are people who, uh, I mean, they're, they're performers and musicians too, for that matter. I mean, you want to be out doing things. You want to be out doing your thing and you really can't, yeah. you know? And, and, and so Absolutely. besides, 
besides the fact that like, gosh, I really just want to go out and do my thing. Like now you're also looking at the accounting of it and saying, well, I mean, what can we afford to do right now? And, and what happens if, if the accounts are all really bad and you got to close up shop? Like there's a lot of stuff that I think people are going to have to sit back and, and, and really take some time with and, and go back and forth with the accountants and with the, 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 the managers and, and everybody that's involved on that business side. Because as a fan, it's easy to just say, well, yeah, just go out, put your helmet on and hit somebody. But I mean, there's a lot of costs associated with that too. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. There's such a cascading domino effect in like every single industry that it just remains to be seen how like the depth of effects that this will have on everything. I mean, I, I just saw a thing that CJ McComb from the Blazers said he has a podcast and he was talking about a lot of, you know, the, you know, bench players live paycheck to paycheck in the NBA. Yeah, and like, yeah. you know, what are, what are all these people going to do? Like, obviously LeBron's losing a ton of money, but obviously he's kind of set up where he can, shoulder that cost, uh, that loss. It, it's not going to ruin him. It's just, it sucks, but it's just all the money lost in the entire association. How will that affect the entire thing? Like how will they keep going? I, I just don't know. It, it's so crazy and wild. So to Andy, about. if, if you can't get the whole band together to record your next album, is it time for the, uh, for the Andy Hurley drum solo album? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I said, I ordered a Roland or I maybe, I don't know if I said it in the interview, but I said before we were talking, I ordered a Roland V drum just to play at home. And, you know, I guess I can, get to work there and, there and, and just do some things on that. What, uh, speaking of drumming, I always wanted to ask you this, who are some of your musical influences? Like drumming wise, are there people you looked up to as a kid? Was it, was it, was it Matt Sorum? Was it Phil Collins? Was it, I mean, who, what drummers do you look up to? Well, you named, uh, my number one, inspiration in drums, Dave Lombardo, <laughs> uh, coach of the Green Bay Packers and, and, uh, the namesake of the Lombardo trophy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dave Lombardo from Slayers, I think the biggest inspiration, obviously Lars Ulrich from Metallica, who is my all time favorite band. Um, Matt Sorum, definitely, uh, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Max Weinberg from the E Street Band. There you go. One of my favorite drummers. He's just such a, with the E Street Band, he's such a solid, simple drummer, which is, mm -hmm. I love, you know, drummers that play what the song demands and don't overplay. But then obviously, you know, I love Dave Lombardo who maybe overplays once in a while, which mm -hmm. I, I appreciate too. But then Max Weinberg also as a jazz drummer is one of the most technically proficient drummers of all time. And, and just the fact that he can, you know, be the drummer for the E Street Band and play a four hour show where he's just playing the bare minimum, you know, four on the floor or, you know, simple rock beat is really impressive to me because that kind of restraint is very difficult for me and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, maybe goes hand in hand with fitness where it's like the basics and in the foundations and the, and you always got to go back to that. You always got to go back to the, 
to the building blocks of, of whatever it is, whether it's fitness, you know, in different lifts or whether it's drumming and, and the restraint to maintain that focus is, is something I've always appreciated in drummers. So that being said, Phil Rudd from ACDC, I love, uh, Chuck Biscuits from Danzig is one of my all time favorite drummers. There's a lot, there's too many to name. I could go on forever. I love it. What do you want to do in music? What's your ultimate goal? Or do you have one? I mean, is it to just keep producing, to keep playing, to, to just kind of do it for the love of it? Or is there a musical goal you want to attain? Uh, I think it's just keep playing for the love of it. I think the goals that I had in my life, I've kind of already accomplished with, with fallout boy. I think it's definitely done more than I've ever dreamed of. Um, so I feel like I'm in a place where if I couldn't play anymore, I'd be, you know, more than happy and proud of the thing accomplished. But that being said, I also approach it like I want to do everything. You know, I'm in, like I said, I'm in four bands that have been pretty active in the last year and a half. And that's because I want to do, and it's, it's, it's been, it really has been so mentally and physically exhausting I think I kind of reached a point where I'm almost thankful for the lockdown because I needed a break just from, you know, a mental standpoint, but I kind of approach things, anything I do that I'm going to do every single thing I can because at some point I won't be able to, and I never want to look back on my musical career on my, on, you know, the fitness that I do. I never want to look back and wish that I would have done more. I always want to look back and be like, I did every single thing I could, you know? So that's kind of how I approach it. I just, you know, I, music to me is, is like breathing. I can't not do it. I I, I just have to be in bands. I have to make music with friends and yeah, I just, I can't not do it. That's awesome. So I do, I do actually have a, have a, career goal for you. I feel like you need to be the drummer on the next star Wars score uh, <laughs> in, like a, in like a John Williams project. But uh, a lot of people don't know this. I know about you. You have a huge nerd street credit. We've, we've yes. bonded in that regard. What's your thoughts on the, on the, on the star Wars finale? Do you watch the movie and what are your thoughts on? Oh, this is, <laughs> this is a big and controversial question. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, I loved it and hated it. I think I, I can watch it as a fan and, and just appreciate that it was a fun, entertaining time. And I did love aspects of it. But that being said, I have a lot of critiques and a lot of things about that I just wish would have been done differently. I think I, I listen, I just listened to uh, like a movie podcast and they talked about the different eras of Star Wars and like the original trilogy is the era of like our tours and like filmmakers who make a project, you know, this, the first three Star Wars were made out of love and out of passion. And then mm -hmm. the prequel trilogy was made 
because George Lucas believed his own BS and thought he was the force behind Star Wars. Yeah. When he wasn't, like the original trilogy was made by a bunch of different filmmakers. He, like his wife, like edited and changed a lot of what ended up becoming a new hope and, and is probably a big reason why it was as good as it was because she was there and a lot of other people were there to say no to the things that weren't good. And then obviously air and Jedi were directed and written by other people. Um, and I think the prequel trilogy kind of takes it from the point of no one told him what wasn't good, which was most of of the prequel trilogy and you saw what came of it. He thought he was the reason it was good. And, and he wasn't this specific reason. He obviously is brilliant and a genius and gave us this thing that has changed my life and lots of other people's lives. And I thank him for that, but he did need people to say no to things. And I think the sequel trilogy was kind of at the point where it was, story writing by committee and, and the committee being, you know, a big corporate studio who is trying to jam in everything for everyone instead of having a, an actual artistic vision. Mm -hmm. And I think I actually love the sequel trilogy. I think they're fun. I think they have great set pieces and great moments and great chemistry with certain people and great actors and cool, you know, lightsabers and cool things in it that I love from Star Wars. But I also think, why didn't they have J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or someone write all three movies and oversee all three movies from the beginning instead of these three separate movies that didn't actually seem to fit yeah. together like a puzzle. Like it was very messy. There was stuff done that shouldn't have been. And they had years before, obviously that Disney acquired star Wars, but then they had a couple years before the force awakens came out that they could have had this overarching plan for all three movies and they just didn't. And I don't know why they didn't do that because they messed it up. Now, that being said, again, I, I, I had fun with it. I thought there were things that were, that were good, but I think with, I am, I've kind of been a little more soured on it. Mm. I, I'm kind of with you on it, Andy. And, and I've got a, a good friend who is, is very strict to the star Wars canon and follows yeah. the, you know, once Disney bought it, then all the books are no longer canon and only certain shows are canon. And my argument is, I think I get to decide what's canon. Because totally. I, I yeah. love everything Star Wars, right? Like, I love it. Um, but I don't think, like, I, I'm in my mind, and again, controversial opinion, the prequels are not canon to me. Oh, yeah. You know, Knights of the Old Republic, that's canon. Absolutely. Prequels yeah. never happened. I have my own story in my head that I like better. <laughs> like, you know, I'm going to stick with that. But if somebody wants to make movies, uh, I, I mean, even think of like Spaceballs. That's not canon to Star Wars, but it's Star Wars enough that I'm going to have fun with it. So you <laughs> totally. can make whatever screwball movies you want. And even these these sequels, um, uh, like Rogue One, I love Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Solo, I was like, eh, I mean, it's okay. It was worth watching. It was fun. I, I don't consider it canon. Maybe there's some parts of that story that I like, but I think we as consumers of these things, we, we tell the stories in our own head. 
you know? And so you can let in what you want to let in and you can just kind of disregard the things you don't like. And if somebody has a different opinion, you just kind of got to be cool with that. Totally. And I think that's, that I completely agree. It's so well said. I think it's, this is art or, you know, this is, this is fiction. It's not real. So mm-hmm. a lot, you know, I know a lot of people who approach it like it ruins their childhoods. And I guess I understand that because yeah. it is such, Star Wars is a big monolithic thing, but at the same time, it's a movie. It's made up. Like you can take the things you like and you can get things you don't and like, just have fun with it. I try to approach all movies, even if I don't like certain things by just appreciating the things that I do like or having fun with it. Like, you know, I love the fast and furious movies because it's a series that, that just has a good time. It knows what it is. It doesn't take itself too seriously. And I feel like that's how all movies and how all art should be taken. Like, obviously there's pieces of art that are serious and are taken seriously because of it. But something like star Wars is just fun. It's entertaining. It's for children. Like, first and foremost. And I think a generation of children probably grew up with the sequel trilogies and love them just like a generation of children grew up with the prequel trilogies and love them. And, you know, if you don't like it or there's things you don't like, that's fine. And okay with that. And I think I I totally agree with you. You can have the version like star Wars, uh, shaped my childhood and shaped my life. And I, I agree with you. I have the version of it that, that, resonates with me and i think that's everyone should kind of approach it like that instead of approaching it like you know they're you know on the verge of suicide because rise of skywalker (laughs) wasn't exactly what they wanted yeah yeah Um, yeah that's good now now people people take their art seriously so another question for you speaking of trilogies if someone has not experienced follow boy what three albums do they need to listen to oh dang Wow. That's, that's an interesting question. Um, I'd have to say, take this to your grave because it was the first record and the record that led to everything. Um, and it was a record we got to do in the darkness without any, you know, critical eyes or anyone to appease or, you know, even though I don't think we've ever approached a record to appease people, I do think, you know, once you have commercial success, that that does weigh on you and, and you it does change, you know, your mentality in a way. And then I think second would be Foliadu, which I think is probably um, an underappreciated, underappreciated record of ours um, and didn't kind of do, you know, as well as people want it or whatever. But I I think for me, it's probably the record I'm most proud of. I think artistically, we really pushed the boundaries with it. And then I'd say mania because I feel the same way about that as fully I do, where we really pushed ourselves artistically and did some, you know, when I heard some of the demos, I was like, this is wild. I can't believe, you know, we're, we're doing this. And I, and I really love doing that at, you know, especially at this stage in our career where we're still, I'm still hearing demos of things and being like, okay, that's, that's different. I don't know how people are going to respond to that, but I love that. I love doing something that 
you know, is so different and, and pushing ourselves in, in ways that are just wild. So that's my, my trilogy, I guess. I love it. So there's a great answer. And a, and a final offbeat question, because I just want Joe to speak. <laughs> uh, you guys, how many music videos have you guys made in your, oh, in your career? Uh, I have no idea. Maybe a lot. Let's say a, a lot. We've probably done th- at least three for every record. Right. Okay. Maybe up to four or five, depending right. on the record. What, what's what's the single biggest talent actor casting mistake you've ever made in Follow Boy <laughs> video history, Andy? Oh yeah, this is an issue I've been having for a while. It was in this centuries video. We made the mistake of not casting the rock <laughs> as the gladiator this is hurtful no Joe. just kidding we were supp- we should have gotten you maximus in that role and i every day i regret that decision <laughs> Yo, have you seen the video yes of course it's it's in a gladiator arena it, it's like very maximus like it's it's they needed a bald muscular dude i don't know how i got cut out of your life so easily in, in my defense it's always pete who comes up with these things <laughs> and that video especially was very last minute though i do believe it was shot in so like around Tor- toronto <laughs> So we, sh- which is your hometown ish, yep. and I regret not. Okay, good. I'm I'm glad that's putting on, your name out there. I'm no, glad that's bad. on the public ledger because that's been eating away <laughs> at me. Uh, apology accepted. We can move forward with our friendship now. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Have you have you bought any new Lego sets lately? During the during the Corona time, it's prime time to build Legos. It is actually, and that's a really good idea. We and my my lady have been doing a lot of puzzles, but I think Legos. I didn't even think of that. Joe, it's been a while since I've done a good Lego set. Andy's got the ginormous Death Star, the ginormous. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised. I would expect no less. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Well, Andy, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate yeah, you. Of course. Uh, big fans. Um, and yeah, you, you've influenced us heavily and love your dedication to fitness because I think it's a lot more important than people think. And you've certainly lived that. I mean, as long as I've known you, I've watched you take it with your diet, work your ass off in the gym, be dedicated. I, I know talking to you on tour, you're always willing to find a place to train. You bring gear. It's pretty awesome to see. So, um, thank you so it. much. And, you know, thank you because I definitely know that all of that is because of you. You got me started on this path. And if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here in my, in my fitness journey and, you know, therefore my life. So thank you. Thanks, I, I expect you to come out of the COVID more ripped than ever. <laughs> I'm day. doing my best. This is <laughs> this is good, you know. But uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank. I appreciate it.